Today's episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by ZipRecruiter, our 2018 presenting sponsor. Talent matters whether you're on the court or in a conference room. Nobody knows that better than ZipRecruiter. They develop powerful matching technology for hiring. You no longer have to wait for the right candidates to find you. ZipRecruiter finds them for you. It's the smartest way to hire. My listeners can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. Coming up, I talked to Pete Holmes, star of the HBO show Crashing. And uh, the reason this is going to start abruptly, because the microphones were on and we had been talking and, and the podcast just started. So here's Pearl Jam. Here we go. You love the Doobie Brothers? I, I mean, from that's not the Doobie Brothers right there. That's Is that Jason? That's almost famous. <laughs> yeah, that's Jason. Uh, Jason it? Lee, yeah. yeah. Billy Crudup. Yeah, they. it looks like a real band. Yeah. What they did a nice what job. What called? It was, they were called Stillwater in the movie. Still, great yeah. fake band name. Yeah, great fake band. They had a couple good fake songs. They do have a couple great fake yeah. songs. And every time Fever I touch them, it's pretty good. Yeah, that's right. Right, it's not that hard. Not that hard. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like somebody can write a rock song. Yeah. And if you put it I in a movie, movie and everyone's that. cheering, you're like, that sounds like a hit rock song. You ready? Yep. Were you taping that? Yes. Oh, all right. We 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 started I mean, right I, with Pete Holmes. We were talking about he was looking at my almost, almost famous. famous and Doobie Brothers posters. I don't love almost famous. I don't know why. You love it. I do love it, but, but like I also have seen the case. Or goading you. No, no, I've seen. I've heard the case against it. It's a it's, polarizing movie for movies, people who love it. They're like dreams, I guess, and that's just one that I don't want to have over and over and over. I don't know why. Interesting. There's a lot of like fighting. I feel like they're up unhappy. So you're down on Boogie Nights then, because that's another one like that, buddy. Okay. You like Boogie Nights. I don't like Boogie don't, Nights. So but you you're don't helping like, me understand. So you don't like fighting. But guess what? My favorite movie is. But Coco? There will be... Uh, <laughs> so I'll be seeing my way out. There, no, it's a Paul Thomas Anderson. There Will Be Blood and The Master, two of my favorite movies. I don't like ensemble movies. Interesting. That's, that's that movie. That, that's why I don't like the X-Men. I'm a Batman guy. I'm not an X-Man guy. I don't like groups. I don't want them being like, Wolverine, get in there. I just want one guy and one villain. I don't so want do you like, like a tennis group. over basketball? I mean, if I were... I like poker over basketball. I like lone wolf stuff, like one guy, heads up, that sort of thing. Baseball, I suppose, is more compelling to me. But even like basketball, and I'm not a sports person, but like what I do identify is it's the, it's the sport that is easiest to be famous in, meaning it's the most showboaty, no helmet. You yeah. know what I mean? So the better photographs, I grew up obsessed with, with Jordan, obviously. Yeah. So even though it is five on five, it does kind of get reduced into... It's all about Kobe, man. You know what I mean? So it is kind of a, a one-player sport. Especially when you see it in person. It's is the it, best that, sport yeah. to just kind of zone out and watch the guys at all times, even like during timeouts and stuff. Really? How they interact, how they hang out at the foul line. What they're in. Just what they're up to. You, you, you feel like you're like looking into their soul. I don't feel like any of the sport's like that. That's interesting. Because like, they have like what they're hide. actually like. There's no dugout. Yeah, you're wearing shorts and a, and a sleeveless shirt. You're very shirt. vulnerable. Everyone's you're staring so at you. Sweaty. Yeah, and you're and when I've been to basketball games, I'm struck by how close they are. Yeah, baseball, you're like, oh my god, my my father, Red Sox, uh, yeah. season ticket holders. 
our seats, I don't know, first base line. Okay. I guess, is that what you say? I'm first not trying base to be line. cute. First base line? Yeah, so you're like section. Like, take a right at first base. You'll hit us after it. Not the box seats, like, but way back. So the, Oh, okay. So you're back. Back? Yeah, second level. Second level, I yeah, suppose. Yeah, yeah. Not up, but on the ground, but back. So you didn't like baseball? Not a baseball person, no. Didn't like going to... You're from Lexington, right? Here's why, Bill. Yeah. I'd love to talk about this. Okay. There's a couple... Well, it's, it's really simple. My dad and my brother had baseball. And I just like, I did the thing where I tried to get my dad's attention by pretending I also like baseball. Yeah. And it just didn't work. It wasn't paying out. So I went with mom. Oh, interesting. <laughs> like mom was paying out. So I learned like to talk and to gossip and to like go on strolls. I'm not saying baseball is stupid. I'm just saying I didn't find what I wanted there. I was actually good at baseball. I'm left-handed, left-handed You're batter. tall. You're a secretly tall guy. I'm a tall guy. Pull, pull that ball right into right field. See? There you go. Who have we had? Who else has been secretly tall on the pod? We've had a couple. Who was the one? Well, Joan Hall was secretly Joan tall. tall. Yeah. Oh, Coates was super. What is, Coates was like six four. Actor tall. I'm tall, tall. He's Joan like Hall you thought he was going to be five one, but he was what? Joan Hall and Ben Affleck are actor tall. They're like ben six tall. one, six two, but I, yeah, it yeah. feels like they're six eight because yes. they're actors. Because yes, you meet yeah. Matty D, the counterpart to Benny A. He, he he's he's fairly tall, but he's not tall, tall. He claims that he's like six feet, but he's like five ten. That's why I love him. Yeah, but and five ten as an actor is huge. <laughs> He's real small in downsizing. He's real, real small. Here's what nobody said about downsizing. Earthquakes. Yeah. Come on, guys. I have to say. There's an earthquake or a flood. You guys are fucked. If I didn't we're going to shrink you down, we should put you like up in a tree or something. Like it should be on a system of pulleys. Or hanging, yeah. What? Birds? The, there wasn't one bird attack in that whole, can you swear? Yeah. Fucking movie? <laughs> Not one? Just do it. Just one bird. <laughs> How funny would that have been? The downside. Should have been a horror downsizing. movie. It could have been a great horror movie. Instead, it was just like, am I going to find love? Is this woman's <laughs> accent offensive? We don't know. <laughs> I didn't see it. Uh, I, you're going to laugh at that riff later. No, no, no. Because there's a character that you're like, am I okay I know with about, this? And I know there's a weird accent character. And, and if you watch yeah. it stoned and she keeps being in the movie, you have one of these high moments where you're like, Oh, this is a main character. Yeah. Like, oh no! You think she's like the color? She's like, oh, that's yeah. funny. It's kind of like Mr. Jones, like yeah. uh, the sidekick in Temple of Doom, and you're like, it's kind of weird. I'm uncomfortable, but it's probably just like a gag. Nope, she's she's the movie. That's a big deal, which is great, but also unexpected, especially well high. I get the screeners, so I watch <laughs> I watch ninety ninety five percent of them, but that one I just couldn't. What are you watching on your screen screen? I watched that. I was happy. I was excited to watch that one on the screener. I had, I'd heard feedback. That from people that I trust that would make me seem that I wasn't going to like it. Downsizing. Yeah. I wouldn't say I liked it. But if I get high before... It was before, interesting. I don't smoke a lot of dope. <laughs> but if I do, it means I don't think the movie's going to be great. You know what I mean? Like oh, I, yeah. I have respect... Do I know what you mean? And reverence. Yeah. <laughs> Are you, are you a literal person? No, I mean... Are you one of those people that I'm like, no, I'm, I'm so hungry like, I could eat a dog. You're like, really? I, you're describing a whole genre... <laughs> you're going to eat a dog. No, you're describing a genre of movies that I that I love. What do you mean? Well, the movies that weed really movies? aren't that good, but weed pushes oh. them to another level. That's, that's an important... Words? No, I, did, I saw it, but I wasn't stoned for that one. But it's neither was I, because I wanted to really enjoy it. Right. But it made me feel as happy as if I was stoned. I really enjoyed it. But there's some that you don't want to be stoned. Like, I think if I had Absolutely. been stoned for a good time, I think I would have gotten freaked out. Oh, my God. Good time is too intense. Good time. Did we like good time? I think we liked it. I never want to see it again. That's what I'm saying. 
movies are like dreams. Yeah. I didn't need to have that one. I get it. It's like babble. Remember? It's like a whole genre of movie. Kids. Where it's just like... Definitely don't want to see kids again. Everything that goes wrong can go wrong. If the director of kids directed Downsizing, it would only be birds eating Matt Damon. (laughs) And they'd just be like, that's how life is. And I'm like, yes, I know. I go to the movies to remember good things. And they're like, nah, fucking birds, bro. What about people watch Eyes Wide Shut like 50 times? Yeah, it's the nudity. The, just, well, the nudity, and then they're also convinced Kubrick's trying to tell us all these things. I'm I don't obsessed. know if you've ever gone into deep dive on this. I do a deep dive on Kubrick. I, people I, now think that he was trying to tell us all about Hollywood child pornography yes. and and all the predators out there through Eyes Wide Shut, which yes. I'm just not intelligent enough to see. I got to be honest. I don't. I think you're one YouTube video away from being intelligent. From being enough to see. <laughs> like you don't have to be smart. You just have to have a lot of free time and click a link. Because I I went in a. I don't know why. I'm not very obsessive. Actually, I can be, but um, The Shining has a lot of hidden symbol. Symbology. They made a documentary about it. That one I kind of believe. Like. And then you can go deeper on YouTube. Because yeah. there's stuff on YouTube that they're like, oh, I can see why they didn't put this in the movie. Yeah. Like, it's a little too weird. I've been going on the Reddit conspiracy page for the last couple months uh-huh. and really enjoying it. What what conspiracies are you into? It's so, I, I just like, well, I love that JFK is my favorite. Um, I, it drives me crazy that people think there was only one shooter. Oh, really? I'm, I'm convinced there my, was more. My, sure. It's fun to believe. Conspiracies His are brains great. come out of the back of his head. Yeah. See, we got shot from behind and his brains went backwards. Like, that's not right. happening. Right. Somebody else shot him. Something happened. Right. So I love the one where they say, like, the Secret Service agent shot him. The guy was who one? was in the car, he turned around to see what the shots were and his gun discharged. I don't know if no. I believe that. And, he blew, and that's why Kennedy's head was just that's basically blown off. That's part of Waco. Are you familiar with the story of Waco? Not really. They have footage of this. Uh, I say as if that makes it true. Yeah. The theory is that who shot first at Waco mm-hmm. is, one of the, is one of the stories, right? Because it was like an accidental discharge? That's the theory. And they have footage of it is there's SWAT guys climbing a ladder and you can see his sidearm go off right. totally by act. It's in the holster. And it's like they think these people hypothesize that that was the first shot that like started the massacre. Very sad. The thing I like about conspiracies, though, as a storyteller, is they're good storytelling. It's like very really interesting are. to take. Like I love. Um, there's a conspiracy that Jesus wasn't dead when he was crucified. They took him down because it was against uh, Roman law or Jewish law to have crucified people up over Passover. Yeah. So it's called the Passover plot. So Jesus made sure he was crucified right before Passover, so they could take him down because you have to. But he's pretending to be dead so he could rise from the dead. From the dead. Like that's like I, I don't believe that conspiracy, but I love the guy that like fell into that rabbit hole and it tickles a part of your brain and tickle is the right word. It feels kind of like, yeah. like it's sort of like, what if it's exciting? It's weird. Well, the, the moon landing is one of my favorites. It's a great one, but that's the shining. He, that's the, them confessing that they never went to the moon. And, that it was Cap- all and Capricorn one with OJ Simpson was another one. What's Capricorn one. It's basically, they made a movie. It's fictional, but they made it about these three astronauts pretending in a studio stage that they, we're on some planet. That's I don't remember. Great. And OJ and then, was in it? And then they escape. Yeah. And OJ was in it. Yeah. No way. OJ made a lot of movies I in know, the Nordberg, 70s. I know, Nordberg, man. Yeah. But Nordberg. even like he was in Towering Inferno. And, really? Oh, yeah. He's, he I was like a real years. actor. I was in Nordberg age. Towering Inferno sounds like you a movie. You knew OJ as Nordberg. I would have had to st- stand on my friend's shoulders in a trench coat to see <laughs> Towering Inferno. Well, Towering Inferno was one of those where they just got like 50 famous people and 
had them in a burning building. Because that always works. That, that was, the more stars, the better. <laughs> That's what we like. See, that it goes back to ensembles. I don't care for yeah. it. One guy. The conspiracy... I, it gets dark. I don't like the dark ones, like the people who think Sandy Hook was staged with actors. Sure. That I don't get. Yeah, it can that's, get dark, and it can, and you risk being disrespectful. You know what I mean? I think that's not even... That one isn't even a risk. That's just, like, right. flat out disrespectful. I wasn't, a, I wasn't like, accusing you. I was no, just like, no, I'm my, saying, like, that. I just don't like that it's one. It's tricky to say... There's a 9-11 conspiracy that is... I don't like that one either. I know, but I'm not talking about... Like, there's one. There's 75. All I was going to say to you as a conspiracy person... Just to not, don't even look into it. There's a theory that there were no planes, that they were holograms. I know. See, that's, that's fine. Oh, you already knew? Well, the holograms is crazy because there was people looking up at the planes going into the buildings and videos and from everywhere. But I mean, it, I'm not even saying you should, and it might be disrespectful. I don't know. But uh, it's interesting to, because some people found angles where you can't see the plane. It's, it just go. I just wasted nine hours of your life. You are well, going to smoke a doobie okay. <laughs> and type in no plane and buy. What about, have you ever followed the seventh, uh, I think it's called World Trade Center 7? Yeah. The building that collapsed a couple hours later. But that is. And they think it was imploded. Nobody's been able to explain what was good about imploding the buildings. Well, yeah. And the mayor. What was the, what was the business believe, incentive to do this? Oh, it wasn't the mayor. But they, they have footage of, of, oh boy, I wish I could remember his title. Any good conspiracy theorist will like remember titles. Like the secretary of blah, blah. You know, yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. don't remember. But he says they made the decision to pull it, which is the term for detonating it. And if you watch, it does crease right at the top and fall into its own footprint. That's what I like when people are experts on what a building should look like when it's being blown up. Yeah, but you know how... Watch how it, it <laughs> folds in. It should be folding out. It's Why like, is really? it falling it? in the first place? Because... They said there was too much heat. Okay. Oh, you believe this one? You don't believe that there's more going on to World Trade Center 7? That's not even a conspiracy. That's just like, they were like, ah, forget it. They, the one that it's I, not in the 9-11 commission. I'm not even, don't make me this guest. World <laughs> Trade Center this. 7 is not this in is the great. 9-11 commission. It's like a thousand page book. They don't mention the third building that fell like four o'clock that afternoon. That is true. It, it has been were on like, fire. It has been kind of thrown yes, to the side. Buddy. That's a Google. That's worth a Google. See, I think the Pentagon, <laughs> the Pentagon, the fact that there's really no video at You're all, the plane going the into the Pentagon. Guest. You're making me You've the seen worst this guess. This is great. I'm the worst guess. Who doesn't like conspiracies? I suppose. There's one grainy video of the of plane those, going into the Pentagon. It's like four frames, yeah. Yeah, but nothing Rumsfeld else. Rumsfeld called it a missile that morning. Well, Clinton mis- gave an interview once where he mistakenly said it was bombed instead of yeah. a plane. So yeah, yeah, people yeah. grasp onto that, like, see, yeah. he slipped. Well, again, I got really into this, too. They tracked the plane going over the, the, the flight path. First of all, the plane on the radar, because they have the radar of it or whatever, did like a turn that a lot of professional pilots say is very, 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 very difficult. Yeah. So here's a crop flying guy, crop dusting plane, flying guy, flipping. Anyway, why are we talking about this? Let's talk about There Will Be Blood. Let's talk about crashing, premiering season uh, season two, January 14. Let's talk about how What's you your blew up the cover of Nevermind I- so the penis on the baby is as big as mine. <laughs> There's funny things we could be saying. People are turning this off. No, they I love get it. fewer views. They love it. What do you want to promote first? Crashing? That's, that's all. When's the date? January 14th. That's all we have to say. January 14th. Yeah, buddy. Will the football be done by then? I didn't know football was happening. This round two. <laughs> round two? Round two That's NFL boxing. playoffs. There's two rounds of football now? There's four. Four rounds. There's, yeah, there's been four for a while. Let's talk about sports. 
No, no, no. This I think I, know, I think I it can it. be done by then. What time is crashing on? It's at ten thirty. Oh yeah, you football you're, doesn't you're happen good. at ten thirty. Football's done by then. Ten. Yeah, you're great. You mean what a great night that is. You can watch two football games, Sunday yeah. night HBO schedule. Yeah, and we're yeah. both from Boston. Yeah. So I should like sports. Although Lexington, I covered a lot of uh, high school sports in Boston after college. High and school I was sports. in a lot of. Oh, was LHS good? Well, Concord, Carlisle, and Lexington were two of my favorites to go to because they had really nice facilities. My high school. Yours and, and the Concord, Carlisle. Those are good facilities. Okay. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, the, the suburbs, they pour a lot of money into the. Right. That's just where the kids smoked. <laughs> that was the smoking parking lot. That's all I know about that. So I you got out of there pretty game. fast, right? My, I'm six foot six. So I would walk down the halls of LHS and the coach would You'd come just up sad. to me and go, why? You like were, yell yeah. at me. Because the truth is I'm six, six, not pretend six, six, like on my stats. I'm yeah. six, six, five and a half. I can just stand by the thing and cherry. Isn't that what they call it? Cherry pick. You, you give me the ball. I have no talent. I'll just do a bounce. We could go into the, the rim and rim protect. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm just a giant. So the best, fastest, you know, through the legs, fancy dribbling guy just runs into like, and we're playing shirts and skins and I'm flabby and wet. Like, I will fucking shut you down. So you, you want to know part of the varsity hoops. What's that? You didn't want to play basketball. Why? I don't know. You're 6'6". Six, six. That's yeah, the only reason why? I can come up with. Why run back there? We were just there. <laughs> now we have to run back here, put the hoop, put the hoop. And no, no, I get it. I don't. I don't want to come off as like somebody that doesn't understand why people enjoy sports. I totally do. I, I lack a certain type of competition. I think when a when a pitcher really wants to strike out a baseball player, a guy at bat, there, there's a certain level of. I don't know what to call it. Cruelty is too much. Like, you want to embarrass the guy. You, like, the perfect situation is not only that you throw heat, but that he swings at it, spins a few times, and falls on his butt and starts crying. You want to vanquish Like, him. that's what you want. Yeah. And I don't have a lot of vanquish in me. I, I'm competitive in the comedian way. Like, I want to get things. Like, I feel jealousy when sometimes, especially when you're starting, your friend gets Conan before you. You feel a certain burn, but it's personal. It's yeah. like there will be blood. It's not ensemble. I'm not going to like, the story isn't going to involve that guy. It's all internal work and stuff. But I don't have that sort of like, when I, this, this is a joke I've told before, but when we would play pickup basketball, I didn't count points. I counted friends I had made, which is true. I didn't like when guys would fight and stuff. I'm like, fellas, it's fucking pretend. Right. It's 11 to 6? Like, who fucking, <laughs> like, we just made that up. <laughs> that one's worth two. That one's worth three. Like, it's all baloney and like people getting along mattered more to me than that. Again, we're back to like, that's fighting. my favorite part of basketball is what is the relationships is the playing and I the going that. and playing. Can I, I'll tell you, you my take favorite, that my, staying on the court for three hours, making like weird friends you'd never make normally. Never seen those people again after the game. Nothing makes me happier than like friendly competition. Like yeah. guys that like when it goes South and I, and it would like people would like it does. go get in fights and stuff. I'm just saying the things that would turn me off and the way that you like boxers, there's no way like you watch Tyson, the Tyson, they just put it on Netflix. I'd seen it in the theaters. Yeah. I love it. It's so interesting. I love sports movies and I love things about sports. I don't watch sports. You can't tell me that he's not visualizing killing that man. Oh, definitely. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's just not the best of us. Right. When, when there's a big fight match coming out, I'm just like, there's a fist fight going to happen and there's nothing we can do to stop it. 
Like they're going to punch each other. Like, so you don't like MMA? I no. <laughs> what are they doing? Like when they send the clips around, look at his leg break when he kicks him. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? You run out of pigeons to dissect in your basement, you fucking lunatic. Go watch a sunset. Like, open up. What is this? It's the worst of us. But I understand. I get it. If you want to watch MMA, there better be more know. girls in high school if you played hoops. What's that? More girls. Yeah, but then what? Then I'm distracted. Then I'm the fucking weird guy then from the Then you're the Napoleon tall guy Diamond. who you're like, they know what they're getting. You're just tall. You don't really care, but they need you for your height. That's oh, actually see. a great situation. I can be like the the, yeah. the gentle Ben kind of you, guy. You, it's just like, I just put the ball in the hoop and they love it. Anything you give them as a bonus, you're just You mean tall. the girls? No, I'm saying I'm saying you're on the team for the coach. Right. Even if you're kind of mailing it in, you're still giving them height. Right. I'm like Andre the Giant. Aren't you doing a documentary about it? I I am. See, I I like characters like that. And and there's something fun about wrestling, how they like, I don't like wrestling either, but like, I do appreciate the theater of it. Yeah. Where they're like, we're going to script it. So it's perfect. Right. (laughs) That's kind of fun. He was, he had a, he had a pituitary thing, so he wouldn't stop growing. That's why he died. My favorite Andre the Giant story is uh, that he'd drink, they they had to give him surgery. I'm sure you've heard this. And they said, how much uh, anesthesia should we give this man? Right. And so they, they said know. to him, they said, how much do you drink to get drunk? And he said, usually a bottle of vodka, I start to feel a little tipsy. Right. It's just like, oh my God, this guy's, we could live under his liver. Like, it's just like a giant man. It's incredible. It was so hard when doing the documentary to figure out what was the urban legend story versus the actual factual story. Oh my God. Because like, like as the clubs, years go, people are like, yeah, I saw him drink 700 beers. You know, right. you don't know. I've heard that story. The 700 you know, beer story. You don't know what the line is, what people actually saw. Not to keep bringing up the Bible, but I mean, one of the gospels says Jesus fed 3,000. One of them says 5,000. We have this in the Bible. <laughs> like People are like, I'm pretty sure there were 5,000. Yeah. Nobody, was, There was no uh, turnstile on That's the way That's why we wanted feeding. to do it, though, because he's one of these people that kind of became, you always hear the phrase larger than life, but he actually was. And yeah. then he died, and then the stories kind of became a little more crazy each year. Yeah, Some comedians are like that. Like, I think... Anybody want to be that? Belushi was like that a little bit. The Belushi, yeah. the the myth of Belushi has kind of become its own thing. Guys that just don't fit. Farley, I think, is like that. They're totally. usually the comedians that die young. Comedians Farley's- in general, like it's you guys are all competitive, but you're super friendly. And then when somebody dies, it hits the community like no yeah. other community. Every single time, too. Like I remember Jeff Ross and I talked about this when Greg Giraldo died, who was like really vicious in these roasts. Yeah, but. That, you know, playing a part. And then he died. Everybody's like, oh my God, Greg Giraldo. Right. And all I knew of him is this guy who was just Well, there's nobody sweeter than the meanies. Right. The meanies are the sweeties. And the sweeties are the meanies. You must have done some of the roast stuff, right? (laughs) I haven't done any. I love doing roast. You're too nice for roast. I love doing roast. Really? I I, I can't figure you out. (laughs) (laughs) You're too nice to play basketball, but you love doing roast. Roasts are different. Roasts, like... Pointing out someone else's shadow is a loving thing to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. If we keep these things to ourselves, it's very cruel. And when we do, when we treat each other with such respect that we'll actually say the worst things about each other, it's actually helpful. And if it hurts your feelings, uh, that's probably where you should dig. You know what I mean? It's good therapy. Wow. It's like if it hurts your feelings, like, okay, work on that. That shouldn't hurt your feelings. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> it's what but do it's we shadow work? I mean, that's like you should pay thousands of dollars. If Jeff, Jeff Ross has made fun of me a bunch, if he makes fun of you and I make fun of Jeff Ross, he looks like I'm I'm on mushrooms. That's how Jeff Ross looks. Why is his face shifting as I'm watching him? Somebody on Crashing in season two of Crashing, there's a roast episode and Jeff is on it. And somebody said, you look like a rapper's first manager. I thought that was hilarious. That's a great joke. His hats. His stupid hats. Get those fucking hats off. <laughs> I'm just being mean for fun. I fell, uh, I fell for that dude as a comedian. He did like this, uh, I think it was the shack roast. Oh, they, they pay-per-viewed. I, thought I pictured a shack. In like 2000. You mean Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah, 2001, uh-huh. 2002. <laughs> Shaq decided he loved roasts, so he started doing this pay-per-view roast. And Jeff Ross was on, and he just went out and he like murdered. Yeah. And this was like, roasts had kind of been dead at that point. Yeah. They had gone in this low. When I was growing up, it was like all those Dean Martin ones. Right, of course. Guys smoking and just calling. Right. Whoever the one female was, a hooker, basically. Right, right, was, right. And then yeah, they they're not always died. great. <laughs> no, they're not. The old, the old ones have not aged well. No, poor Sammy Davis Jr. It's just no, like, Sammy, shit. Sammy, uh, shit. Sammy took a lot of heat. Pull those. the nose up, guys. The plane is crashing. <laughs> like, this is be- feeling weird. What, it, what about... Where do you stand? I've asked people who have come on this or in the comedy world about uh, the shifting taste lines and yeah. all the stuff that's going on, how sensitive people are. It's an interesting thing. I but mean, for your show, that's actually good because you can push the envelope because it's a fake show. What do you mean? Well, you can, it's not you. It's not like, like Chappelle got in all this trouble this week because he was talking about um, the Louis C.K. accusers. Oh, okay. And that's his act. That's I him. I saw him doing some. Whereas if you did that yeah. on your show, you could get away with it because yeah, it's right. under the guise of You have a little a bit of freedom. It's an interesting thing. The way that I uh, look at a lot of these like touchy issues, and we've always had them, yeah. is it's like daytime you and nighttime you. There's like different yous. We're talking about the shadow. Like people have different aspects to their personality and they all beg for expression, yeah. if that makes sense. But the problem is if somebody takes like, let's say, a Chappelle clip that if you ducked into a bar in Amsterdam at two in the morning and sat in the back and nobody's filming. And in between the burlesque acts, this comedian comes out and he does this stuff and it is offensive. I'm not saying it's not offensive. It is offensive. For some reason, that's what you were looking for that night. You wanted this sort of exorcism of these kind of darker feelings and thoughts. That, that can be appropriate. That's part of our culture. It's like, you know, having a space for these uglier feelings, uglier thoughts that we all have. Nuns pouring creamer into their coffee in the morning sometimes go, fucking Diane. Right. You know what I mean? And, and it's bad to keep those things locked in the basement because that's where they fester and grow into demons that take us down. So roasts, darker, more blue, more offensive stuff has a purpose. It's actually like a light-filled purpose. The problem is we have that Amsterdam 2 a.m. in between burlesque show set. Now it's being filmed. It's being filmed by everybody. And then it gets posted. And now it's 11 a.m. And you're wearing your your starched white shirt and a cornflower blue tie. And it's on your Facebook because you thought it was funny to post it at 2 a.m. last night. And the head of HR is now watching it. And he's like, that's not appropriate. And he's fucking right. Right. You were right enjoying it at 2 a.m. drinking absinthe. And he's right saying it's not right at 11 a.m. in a workplace. Like there are people here that are offended by that and you need to remove that. Both are right. This is like complicated shit. The stuff that I do, I don't like offending people. Yeah. It's not what I'm about. It's, it also just happens to be who I am as a person. You know what I mean? I'm not like squishing down too many offensive thoughts to like do some phony baloney stand up. I'm just being me. But I like people to kind of like 
have a good time. But I mean, prior Lenny Bruce, these are the greats. You know what I mean? These these are the guys that like uh, John Belushi. It's a little bit different, but like larger than life, iconic, crazy people. Prior beat his wife. You know what I mean? Like prior had some demons, man. To horrible things. Yeah. And that's that's an that's an interesting conversation. Is can we enjoy the art of people who are monsters? That became the conversation two, three months ago. I, I would argue even further because we all lost the Cosby show when he, oh, yeah, when we found right. out that he was a fucking monster. I mean, literally lost it. It's gone. We lost. I don't even know. Also, is it even on TV? But even, I don't know. But even if you own it on Laserdisc. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you watch it in your wood paneled basement, smoking a cigar and having a jello pudding pop. Something's different. <laughs> when he's like, Theo, you gotta be a good guy. You're like, Come on, cuz. You know what I mean? Like, you know that's while it was happening. So that ruined it. But then people are kind of like, I don't know if you heard Fresh Air where Terry Gross asked Greta Ger- Gerwig, who's one of my absolute favorites. I love Terry Gross, too, about, like, Woody Allen. And it's like, yeah, there are people that kind of, like, squeak by, and we, and we don't understand why. Manhattan gets <laughs> creepier each year. I mean, a lot and of And that's stuff, some people's favorite movie. I, I know. I know. It's 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 a tricky thing. I don't I don't have the answer. I just know. Can you still watch House of Cards? Some people have different levels. They're like, I can watch. Can you watch Goodwill Hunting? Harvey Weinstein produced it. Well, he's not in it. Okay. All right. We're finding. We're all figuring shit out. Yeah. <laughs> and and that's that's a personal decision. When you were de- when you were um, figuring out what crashing was, part part of it seemed personal, but then part of it's about the comedy world. And did you ever think like? my balance has to be this or this, or did you kind of just kind of let it go and well, see where it went? I think Judd rightly, Judd Apatow produces it and he rightly steered it uh, a little bit away from some of the things I wanted to get very personal about. Yeah. Because when your wife leaves you, the show's about a guy who's kind of like an open mic comedian. His wife leaves and then he has nowhere to stay. So he crashes on the couch of Artie Lang. And then he kind of gets passed around the community. Yep. And this is kind of based on things that do happen in our world. Even though we break each other's balls and stuff, a lot of people let other people crash at their place. Yep. You know? um, so I wanted to explore a lot of the heartbreak. I, I was like, nobody ever sees what it's really like, how much Chinese food and masturbation and isolation yeah. is involved when your wife leaves you. And Judd rightly was like, okay, he's very good at that. He's like, fine. Like, I'll let you do some of that, but you can't, I'll give you an example. Like when my wife left me, I had a psychosomatic problem where my balls hurt. Yeah. And Judd teases me that I, I would pitch it and repitch it and repitch it. That I was like, it's funny. Like I went to the doctor and they were like, there's nothing wrong with you. And they're, they're all giving me an ultrasound on my nuts. And, and he told me to, uh, he literally said, don't exercise because it'll jostle him. Yeah. And you should release every once in a while. And I was like, if masturbating and not working out are the cure, how did I get this? Like, right. I'm like, I don't understand. So I always thought that was like worth having on the show. And Jed was just like, I can't have you. He never, he's never raised his voice. I'm, I'm yelling for fun. I can't have you like grabbing your nuts and going, Ooh, like that's right. just not good television. So we have a good thing where I am willing to talk about anything. And he's very good at taking the smorgasbord of emotion that I show him and saying, well, let's take that and tell it this way. Like, a good example is the third episode of the first season is a yard sale. In reality, I did not have a yard sale with my ex-wife, but a divorce feels like a yard sale, if that makes sense. All your possessions are laid out for the neighbors to sift through and buy 
your memories. Like that's yeah. what it feels like. And that's Jed's genius is I'm like, you know, it's exposed and you don't trust anyone. He's like, how about a yard sale? Stop crying. How about a yard yeah. sale? You know? Um, and, and in season two, you know, Pete dates his first comedian. So that's the through line is, is reality. My wife left me for another fella. I got much, much more into standup. Um, so it was this kind of like blessing in disguise. You never would have wished for it in a million years. I was very sad, but I started doing comedy so much more and without any reservation whatsoever. Cause that's your life. Yeah. You can, you can relate to that. It's like, you were young too when you got married, right? I was 22 22 when I got married. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So I was 28 when I got divorced. Um, my, my real life is a little bit different from crashing in that I was doing comedy for six years and was somewhat, I I don't want to say successful, but more successful than my character. But you know, and then the real yeah, that was my one criticism of senior season one. It almost seemed like he was too unsuccessful. But maybe that mm. those guys are out there. That's I was like, can he be like ten percent more successful? Like what way? I there was I don't know. Like especially somewhere in the middle, like fourth, third, fourth, fifth episode, where he's just doing it for like two people. Yeah, and it See, was almost like I. But I don't this. know enough about comedy. But I'm watching it going, I man. Really, that. two people? Is that too over the top? Oh, we would do shows for one person. Really? We'd, oh, all the time. We'd have shows ca- canceled in season one. It's kind of like it's not a big moment, but Pete comes into the club after barking, handing out flyers yeah. for two, three hours, and just no one was there. That would happen all the time. It's just like everyone went to the cellar. <laughs> you know what I mean? So we're just like, ah. We, we were like the runoff club for the comedy cellar, which is a great club. And the Boston was like the shithole around the corner, at least when I was there. So what we wanted to do and what we want to do on Crashing is usually when someone's a comedian on TV, they struggle for like the opening credits. <laughs> yeah. And the next thing you know, they're just working. You know, Louie, uh, the show is about a successful comedian. Seinfeld is about a successful comedian. We saw all these stories because there is a lot of fun in being a successful comedian. You know, you have a lot of free time. You have an interesting job. But what we want to do with Crashing is kind of tip our hat and show how painful it is. The show's called Crashing, not Flourishing. It's about crashing on couches. It's also about the kind of romantic, in hindsight, warmth to the struggle, to like what it's like to really tell an origin story as close to real time as possible, which means you get a break. Like in season one, Pete becomes a warm-up comedian. It's a huge break. Then he loses it. I mean, that's what happens. Yeah. One of the things we're exploring in season two is that like you have to make it 12 times. You, you don't make it once. It used to be maybe in the 70s. You'd get on The Tonight Show. Yeah, then you could work. He'd call you over and that was it. Exactly. But a lot of those guys, you don't know Tom Dresden's name. You know, like, these are great comics that were big deals. I knew all of them from, because I was a Letterman kid, so. Oh, okay. He took care of everybody, good or not good. Yeah. Or I I shouldn't say not good, but the people that either didn't make it or they made it big. Yeah. They were all the same time. So he had George Miller on as many times as he had, like, Seinfeld on. Well, Letterman specifically was booked to his taste. Yes. Like every comedian is Letterman's sense of humor. Well, he's also really low to the late 70s guys. And that really was a quite a generation. I don't know. What's totally. your generation? Who is in like my crop? Yeah, because you're late 30s, right? I'm 38. Yeah. It's like me. I consider like me, Kumail, Mulaney, Kroll. Um, I'm trying to think. There's so many. Everyone others. has been on your podcast. Basically, if you look at the first 15 Everyone episodes- Everyone has been on your podcast three times. Yes. All the repeat <laughs> You have the three-time club. The repeat. If you're, if you're a multiple repeat person, that, Hannibal, 
yeah. Hannibal Burris. These were the people that like we started with, and and there really is like a class feeling. Like well, Aziz is the class behind me, even right. though he's far more successful than me. I go look. That's that's. If the I'm Aziz a junior, class. he's a sophomore. Yeah, yeah. Well, your generation was there was a roadmap, and Jeff Ross is in community college. And Jeff Ross is He's like, in the parking lot of a community college smoking a joint. He shaved his head and he's just the ageless Jeff Ross now. Nobody ah, knows how old he is. He might be 60. He looks like he, he might lives be in 30. a hollowed out volcano. Yeah. He looks like he, he wears, should be fighting hats. Superman somewhere. <laughs> yeah. He's, we wrote a couple of times when uh, I used to work for Kimmel Show and then Jeff Ross and I wrote for Kimmel hosted the AMAs a couple of times. So we yeah. would write for him. Oh, that's fun. And, uh, and, Je- and it was like 2006 and Jeff Ross was... It's so funny. He was like, yeah, I got to get away from this roast thing, man. I'm getting pigeonholed by it. And I just got to branch out. And That's what Jeff said? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's That's like, I got to, I can't do the roast anymore. And like five years later, he was the roast master. That is And it's good. it was like a 180. I remember driving with him. We we're on like Pico or something. And, and yeah. I'm, I'm thinking like, I was saying to him, I don't know if you should give this up. This is a really good corner. Right. You're the only person on this corner. I would keep it. I. That's one of the themes of Crashing too, is it's like, Pete is my character is realizing that he is kind of like a light, fluffy guy. Yeah. Yet he's hanging out with Artie and Attell and all these guys that are kind of saying like you so should, much more edge. You should be like us. Yeah. And Pete kind of feels like I think I should be like these guys. These are the guys that play the seller. But then season two, he starts to discover the alternative scene, which is you know a lot of the same comedians, but sometimes it'll be like in a comic book store or a, a laundromat or. Uh, improv theater and those are the places that were much 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 more receptive to what I was doing yeah. like I had jokes about Robocop and ice packs and if you're following Dave Attell talking about like little person porn it's hard to go up and go like you ever look at a sunflower <laughs> right. you can't and I'm not saying like all my shit is like fluffy weak stuff but like I, I want more of a theater crowd like seated 730 maybe one glass of white wine that, that's like my sweet spot Attell is more like the Jaeger bomb people and, and he's amazing, but I, I couldn't find my place there. So one of the things that HBO was very gracious about was they were like, I was like, is it too, is it too much minutia to explore the subtleties of the difference between the club scene, Caroline's Gotham comedy seller yeah. and the alt scene, UCB, some of the, I, I can't even name anymore cause they close so often. And they were like, the more inside baseball you can be, the better. Because that's that's what HBO is good at. They were like, it gets people talking. So I'm really excited for people to see my character stop. He'll actually succeed a little bit more. You'll like it. He yeah, I don't like when and, he's for two people. No, he won't be for two people. Well, I always think like what I would do in that situation, and I, I would just, I would, I don't know, I would crater, I think. That's, it's so funny that you say that, because I'm 38 now. I've been doing stand-up, I don't know, for a very long time, over 15 years. I don't know what it is. And when we're doing crashing, I'm like, oh, I couldn't do it again. Yeah. Like I couldn't start well, over. Well, it's almost like you don't know any better. It's like the- You don't know any better. It's like the moms who have three kids when they're 24 and they don't realize like it's a suicide know. mission. You didn't know. I have to think there's a sports parallel there. I'm not just saying that for you. It's like these kids that get into it and they're running drills and stuff. And they're like, you know, I just watched the I, I Tanya. You know, the, the 5 a.m. I like that Tanya. I liked it. It was okay. I thought it was fine. I, I enjoyed how Margot Robbie- who I think is really attractive. And I forgot she it was Margot Tanya Robbie Hardy. during that movie. And she was like, really, I was convinced she was Tanya Harding. She did a great job. She was good. I don't think, I don't think she was, I thought she was phenomenal. I think she might win. She's really good. And I thought the, her husband was great. I thought yeah. the performances were great. 
I just sometimes I wonder if you'll understand. Well, it's too dark for you. We now know that you're not. You don't like going dark. There will be blood. It's my favorite movie. He kills a man with but, a bowling pin. But it's funny though. There will be blood. It's, it's that's a funny, not funny. That's it's not a, a funny tragedy. It's not a comedy. <laughs> it's got funny scenes. He shoots in it. his brother in the head with it's a hilarious. small caliber pistol. Twentieth time. It's hilarious. Uh, uh, you're right. There no, it does. There will be blood. Is the darkest movie that also has like seeds of humor in it. I think it's funny. I, I, for some reason, it speaks to me. He's the ego. A lot of P.T. Anderson's movies, like I feel like someone's the ego and someone's the super ego. And Daniel Day-Lewis is playing the ego. He's just, yeah. I just want to succeed. I just want to put my dick in the earth and draw out oil, you know? Yeah. I mean? And then there's the guy that's like, oh, I want to believe in the Bible. And he kicks the shit out of that guy. <laughs> and there's some darkness in me. This is, this is nighttime, Pete. Yeah. I'm not showing this movie during the day. It's Bill. 2 a.m. Pete. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. But is it fucked up that I enjoy a movie that explores some really dark kind of tortured psychologies? I don't, I don't think so. I think it makes me a, a happier, fuller person. I right. think that I'm, that I'm okay spelunking into my own cave because I can return. Some people go in the cave and they fall because they don't practice spelunking enough. You got to fly the cat kite into the black hole and pull it back. That's that's what life is. Uh, anyway, I got on a tangent. I, I think I, Tanya, even though it's good, uh, I think it's better than people think it is because I think some movies trick you into thinking they're better. Like with like flashy kind of fast cuts and a lot of like talking to the camera yeah. and every song. That movie, a lot of tricks. A lot. That's what I'm saying. A lot of. I thought it was great. I think I, I just, liked it. I don't like the feeling of like every song is a hit song. Every song. You just go one. She's bad like one. she gets in the car and it's like Springsteen. I'm like, can you stop? <laughs> there doesn't have to be a montage of her lacing up while you play the Who. Like I don't need it. Like fucking yeah. let the let the performances speak because they're good. They're good on their own. I just like simpler movies. Like like Lady Bird. Like that is a movie that's like no frills, just performances, and that's just more my speed. Lady Bird was one of the few movies I've seen in the last ten years that I was actually disappointed and bummed out when it was over. Yeah, I was like, "It's over? What happened? I thought we had ten more minutes here." That's that's a great compliment. I think everyone always goes fifteen minutes too long, or sometimes thirty minutes too long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I liked Molly's Game, but it was twenty minutes too long, and it was a two-hour, ten-minute whatever. I think the superhero movies could trim. I'm out. I'm 45 minutes and three characters. I'm the wrong person <laughs> to talk about this. No, I'm there. I'm yeah. right there with you. I, I don't do super. I, I want to be very clear when I say like, I, I didn't like super, uh, super woman. I didn't like wonder woman. And it wasn't because it was ladies. It's just because I was like, I think I'm done. Like it, it just yeah. happened to be the one. Right. If it had come out before Iron Man, I would have been like, fatigue. yeah, I have right. superhero fatigue. It was great. It was as good as the others, but it made me question my love of all of them. I, I I just can't do it anymore. It's no. We've we've had fifty of these in the last twelve years. I it's starting. Well, you know, I did the Batman parodies. I, I don't I don't know if you know that I'm Batman. Don't tell anybody. Yeah, yeah. On YouTube, and uh, it got to a point where we can't even make fun of them anymore. First of all, I don't have I don't have the time because we're doing crashing. But secondly, it's just like they're so. I keep looking at the baby's dick. I'm sorry. They're so. It's not a bad thing. I just, I'm just drawn to I got, it. I'm gonna have like to I move can't that look away here. when my I dog should be is the one looking at a baby's dick. You should. Hey, you should be looking at the Doobie Brothers. I'll move some stuff around. I'm looking at that brother's For doobie. next one. <laughs> Char- did Charlize comment on the baby dick? I don't think she did. Really? Charlize is in right there. Didn't even notice the baby dick. Any genitalia is going to draw focus. It's like <laughs> it's like a boxing match. You know, there's a football game, a baseball game, and a hockey game, and then there's a fist fight. Everyone looks at the fist right. fight. 
baby dick is the fist fight fist of fight. this room. So I should have <laughs> naked babies fist fighting and I would never be able to get any attention. <laughs> then, then you'd be good. Then would be billionaires. So, uh, your, com- so your comedy style is more, because I, I think it's getting harder and harder, especially as this decade rolls on, where it's so, so niche now with everything. What makes people laugh and how to hit somebody's funny bone. There's so much content out there that it's really hard to strike oil with people unless you're just hitting it. Yeah. And, no, I, but you seem to be like you're trying to be a little more general appeal to more than just one type of person. Yeah, I suppose. It's not really that calculated. It, meaning Bill Hicks has this great quote where he talks uh, to young comedians about like, just be you. Be as you as you can be. It's like a Dr. Seuss thing. Yeah. It's like today you are you that is truer than true. There's no one alive who's youer than you. That's a Dr. Seuss thing. That's good advice for a comedian. And Bill Hicks didn't reference Dr. Seuss, but he was saying, if you're being authentically you, 100% you, you will be the only one that can do that. Yeah. And you'll have supply and demand covered. If you want that, I'm the only one that can do that. I really don't like, there are some people that like go clean or go broad for money. Yeah. And that's not what I'm doing. I swear a lot. But people still think I'm a clean comedian because I think the transmission is still pure. You're still understanding. I don't think who you're a I clean am. comedian. I, I think I was, th- I was talking more about the analogy you were doing with Atel and him. I'm not doing that's little not my porn. Thing. And yeah. then you come out and you're trying to. Right. Yeah. That, that, that just happened by virtue of, you know, self exploration. Anybody that's a writer or a comedian or a performer or even an actor, you're just trying to go, what is me? What do I sound like? What are my opinions? I had a manager who didn't sign me when I was young named Rick Dorfman. And I've actually thanked Rick many, many times and uh, phone calls and stuff. I, I love this advice because he, he didn't sign me. I was very close with Mulaney. Mulaney's one of my best friends. And this is 10 years ago. And he signed Mulaney and he didn't sign me. And I just, I, I'm glad that I was brave enough to say why. I was like, not in a shitty way. Yeah. He called me to say, we're not, we're not going to go that way. And I just was like, is there anything you can say uh, like, that I could work on? And he gave me like, some of the best advice. He was just like, when I watch you, it's just another, just another guy, just another man, another white man. And like, I don't know what you're afraid of. I don't know what you're passionate about. I don't know wh- who you are, basically. Like, what gets you going? What are you excited about? You're just telling jokes about fabric softener. Yeah, and, and that's fine because when Seinfeld does it, you get a picture of a person of like a very thin, neat sports coat, Long Island kind of thing. He can, his transmission is clear through that. I wasn't coming through in the type of material I was doing. So I started trying to find the way I write now, for example, is if I'm really passionate about something, just talking to you right now, if I'm like, find that, oh, I, something lit up inside me, that's a bit. You just yeah. go, that's a bit for me. It might not be hilarious, but I know I can get on stage and speak, communicate authentically and presently with an audience there, see where the laughs are, hone, repeat, 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 and then, and then you have a joke. Are you one of those people that has to go to clubs all the time to, to swing the golf club, so to speak, for ten, even if it's for 10 minutes? <laughs> it's funny that you ask because um, yes and no. I was when I started. I was very, very adamant that you had to go up every single night, which yeah. is why New York is a great place to do right. stand-up. But now I look at it like a big, heavy machine with gears. And this is the stand-up machine. And I love the stand-up machine. But the problem is, is if I keep it running all the time, 
having brunch with my wife is very dull. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's almost like, um, oh God, I'm so heady, so self-important. But it's a little bit like the Ring of Power in Lord of the Rings. Have you seen it? No. Really? No, out on Lord of the Rings. Let me see. It's no, almost no, like no, I'm, uh, I'm with the you, Stanley keep Cup. Uh, keep going. No, keep going with Lord of the Rings. <laughs> no, what I'm saying is, you know, Gollum. Yeah. Okay. So I, know, he, I know all about it. I'm just not a Lord okay. of the Rings guy. You don't have to be. Yeah. The Ring of Power, stand-up is a power. It's yeah. a thing. It feeds you, right? But if you believe it's hype, I think you start becoming like in a cave, right. holding it, surrounded by nobody, no real friends, no real family, just kind of fans and your mic. You know what I mean? And that's a danger to it. So I do it as much as I can without getting sucked into the black hole of it. Because I value having a somewhat relatable life. That's good for yeah. my art. That's also just good for my heart. You know what I mean? It's just good for me as a person. So I, for example, I'm doing like Colbert on Monday or something. You fucking traitor. What? What do you mean? No, I don't understand. Because I'm doing this? No, I was kidding. <laughs> I'm doing that on Monday. So I'll book spots. Like I have a spot tonight. I have a spot tomorrow. To get, to get the machine going. Right. So that when I sit down with him, and if there's a lull or something, I'll just be a little bit sharper. But like when we're writing, I might go up two, two, three times a week. So that's sacrilege to some in our community. But I feel but like- some people need it though. It's almost like they, a they can't- Yeah, they got to do it every day or they, they like kind of lose their bearings. I think doing it every day, I, I, I sometimes like- I'll see a billboard for some celebrity and they have like their ninth show. You ever yeah. see those people that have like nine shows on yeah. at once? I, and all love and respect, and I could be wrong. Maybe I'm projecting. But when I see that, I just go, well, you should have an intervention or something. Right. Like, get this man to a lake. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I, because it is addicting. Doing stand-up comedy, I've never done cocaine, but I have to think if it's so popular and what people say about it, I've seen all the movies, it must be what stand-up is like. That's what stand-up is like. Stand-up feels so good that when you get off stage and you have a really good, and it's similar to a baseball Only game. Only if you do well. No, it's similar yeah. to a baseball game. You actually want to be down. In the seventh inning, you want to be down. And then you want to come back in the ninth. Ah. Just like a good baseball game. You want it to have the drama. You can't just go up and kill. That's like a Twilight Zone episode where... You just destroyed. Who fucking cares? Like, you just got off. You want it to have a little nuance, just like a fan of a baseball game. And you're watching your own set like you would watch a game. So you get off, and if you, if the crowd is rowdy, and they're drunk, and they're heckling, and uh, the people before you are eating shit, like some impossible scenario. This is made up, but like, let's say Kevin Hart goes up, and even Kevin Hart can't find them. Yeah. This never happened, I'm just saying. That is the table set. That is bases loaded. That is bottom of the ninth. You know what I mean? And you're at the bat, at bat, you're at the bat, you're at bat, and you go up and you crush. And if you really find the audience and win them over and get them to stop being a bunch of individuals and whip them into a show, into a crowd, into one solid thing, when you get off stage, the feeling, the endorphin release, the bliss, the joy, it's ecstasy. Yeah. And people will come up to you and they'll say, do you want uh, anything to eat before you go? And you're going, be normal. <laughs> be normal. They don't know you're high. You're yeah. sky high. That being said, ring of power. I really believe this. If you do it all the time, I love Mad Men. Do you watch Mad Men? Yeah. Roger Sterling says, when this job is good, it meets every need. 
He's talking about advertising. There's a danger to that too. If we believe our own hype and accept fan praise and cheers and laughs as actual love and don't find it from someone like a wife or children or your dog or just sitting alone and being with yourself and being enough just in yourself, you can end up just a straight up motherfucking addict where you're just like, I I can't, I can't stop. I can't stand being still. And there's a danger to that. And I feel for my people that get hooked, hooked in that manner. Do you think there's how many comedy TV shows about a comedian have there been? Too many. <laughs> too many, too many, but I would also not, I would argue not enough too. Yeah, no, I know. Cause you're like in the comedy world, which is a totally different show than just like Seinfeld. He's a comedian, right. but that he wasn't a comedian on that show. Right. I, it I, was a very loose thread, but it wasn't about a comedian. It was I'm about. So, yeah, I'm, I'm totally joking. I don't think there are too many. I think one of the reasons there are so many and crashing is different because it's, it's on the ground. Yeah. It's not a flyover of stand-up comedy. It's like, here's what it would be like, literally, to walk up to a club and say, like, hello, I'd like to do your open mic night. Like, yeah. that's a scene. And then, like, showering and getting ready and being nervous and running the joke by your friend. These are all scenes. Like, we're really going in real time, as, as in real time is, is tolerable and pleasant. Um, but what were we saying? What, what was the... I was asking... Oh, why, why more, are there so many shows about... Yeah. I think one of the things that's interesting is that like comedians will always be compelling leads of vehicles because they're funny. They have an excuse to be funny. You ever watch like ER and you're like, why are these doctors so funny? But they're all hilarious. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, all these quips. Yeah. It's just like kind of a buy. It takes you out of it a little bit, um, which who cares? You're watching ER, but I'm just saying comedians, I can be funny when my wife is leaving me because I'm a comedian. It, it not only is it, okay, it actually serves the story. It actually tells you why she's leaving me, because I won't stop making jokes, and we like that. But also comedians, almost like in The Sopranos, where Tony is going to therapy, a stand-up is going up on stage. So you're seeing their inner world presented. And I think that's one of the reasons why, even though it's not the most relatable profession, people can project themselves onto it. Because a comedian just wants to be heard, and respected and actually loved for their thoughts and for their feelings. Which even if you're an architect or a chef or a school teacher or a mother, you know, a stay-at-home mom, you still have that desire and you can still project it onto a comedian. It's a pretty empty vessel to go, oh, there's a funny guy trying to come grow into his life. You know what I'm saying? And he's making jokes while he does it. Okay, even though I'm not a comedian, I can relate to this person and I'm not sure why, but I think that might be why. It's interesting that Jed came back to this after Funny People, which was seemed like that was his way of diving into this whole world. I know. And now he's back. And he also has a comedy special on Netflix. Called uh, The Return, I believe. I sometimes, you know you think about like how I met my wife and like, what if I hadn't, you know, what if I hadn't gone to the club that night or whatever? I sometimes think like I pitched crashing to Judd on the set of Trainwreck. And when Judd was on the set of Trainwreck, Amy Schumer was going to the cellar and Amy Schumer was like, you should come with me to the cellar and the cellar is the best. And Judd went up and he got the bug again. It's like the free sample. Yeah. <laughs> the little bug in it, and, he's, and the hook is in him again. So here's Judd, after like, I think it was like a 10 or more year hiatus from doing stand-up, started getting into it again. And then I come in, we knew each other just a little bit. He had done my podcast, a live episode. And I came in 
I flew to New York just to pitch him the show about a guy starting in stand-up in New York while he was a guy starting stand-up again in New York. So the fortuitous, fortuitiveness, fortuitousness, whatever. It was very fortuitous. It was fortuitousness. Fortuitousness. Yeah. Fortuitousness. That's the name of my band. No one comes. Fortuitousness. Fortuitousness. (laughs) Two, three, four. Stillwater, is that what they're called? Stillwater. They open yeah. for us. Fever Dog. <laughs> We're big. <laughs> we actually play Fever Dog at the end, yeah. all, all both bands together. It's, it's really cover. amazing. It's and that, he shocks by the microphone and falls over, and I go, I don't like this movie. <laughs> um, just like, I can't believe how fortunate I was to, because that's what you hope. When you're yeah. talking to a big dog like Judd, you hope that what you're selling or trying to paint in his mind, he has some frame of reference for it. Yeah. And, and the fact that he did, and the fact that it was, while Judd had, Judd's always doing like several movies he's producing, maybe one he's directing, and then a TV show. And there was like one slot open that I didn't even know to make another show. And yeah. that was his limit. I really got in under the wire. You had uh, the last Gary Shandling podcast. Was I the last one? I think you might have been. I'm not, I think that sounds right. It was he, within, he died shortly within like after. a couple months of when he died, right? I think it was about two months later. It's um, obviously so, so sad. I think about Gary so much more now, actually, in, in death than I did. We, we weren't like close. Yeah. That podcast was maybe the beginning of us having a relationship. Yeah. It was, it's a regret of my life is that he had um, suggested that we get lunch or something. And just like everybody, you just go like, oh, I'll get to it. Like, we'll, yeah. we'll, I, I replied, obviously. I was like, yeah, let's do it. But we didn't go like Thursday. You know what I mean? Like, let's, let's make this happen. Because we were both busy. And then, you know, death, and that's it. death happens. And you, and you get that reminder that you're like, oh, shit. And this kind of goes back to what I was saying about making sure Gary was very good about that. Yeah. About having time for the richness of other areas. Although I, I'm sure he would say that he, he was a hard user. <laughs> A heavy user of stand-up in, in his 20s, 30s. Yeah, he's an interesting guy because it really seemed like he never replaced the Larry Sanders show. He never what it, now? Never replaced it for like the rush he got from that show. It was like he yeah. didn't really know what to do after that. Oh, that's interesting. And he would I'm try not... different things, but it, he would kind of keep drifting back to that. Yeah. I always thought it was fascinating when he did the DVD where he the went extras. back and interviewed all the people and he yeah. spent like all this crazy amount of time on it. They're great extras. And it was almost like he didn't want to try to top that show. It's funny when you make a show like that that really does redefine comedy. You yeah. know what I mean? What I, you do? A lot of people say that, but I mean like it really did. It really did. <laughs> like we're all even even crashing to a certain extent the idea of behind the scenes, what are these celebrities or stand-ups really like? Have them play exaggerated versions of themselves. Yeah. We, you know, I know Ricky Gervais said the office came from Larry Sanders, and then the office, the British one, obviously begot the American office, right. but it also begot the whole like mockumentary style, which, you know, you could also say Christopher Guest and stuff, but like these are these are the icons of of comedy. The thing that I think about most with Gary is how much he balanced his life, how he was when if you listen to that interview, he talks a lot about his Buddhism and yeah. his exploration of of reality and and art and and beauty and inner work and stuff. So again, just like anybody that can kind of wean off of the rushes of adoration that you get from stand up and and find a quieter place inside. That that's what I take from Gary. 
as much as Larry Sanders do. <laughs> if you could tell people to listen to one podcast that you've done, well, it depends on what they're weird. after. <laughs> well, what's the what's the one that? Well, give me like three. Give people <laughs> people like three that you've done that you're oh. like, oh, this one would still hold up. Well, I mean, I don't mean to be cocky. It's more of a endorsement of my guests, I suppose, that I think they yeah. all hold up. And what's interesting, here's a better answer than just they all hold up. What's interesting is if you go back, the Pete that started that podcast, it must have been, it's almost 400 episodes, and each episode is about two to three hours. So it's a lot of talking. And <laughs> Every one of them is two? I knew some of them were long. I didn't know all of them were that long. Two is about the minimum. So yeah. you basically have them trapped. Yeah. But you know, I mean, I say this all the time. Uh, it's in the second hour that everything happens. Yeah. The first hour is, it's you like feel this. each other out. Yeah. Yeah. You feel each other out. And, 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 you, and, you know, I, I like to think I'm a good guest. So I come in ready to play. Yeah. A lot of guests, you see their shoulders slump down. Like they're not protecting their neck anymore with their shoulders. They relax. I've been vulnerable enough with them that they start to feel more comfortable that they know I'm not going to like, I don't debate on my podcast, I don't judge. I try and find ways to understand how they're thinking. Yeah. And in that second hour, that's where everyone, if there is going to be tears shed, it's in the second hour. Oh, you want, I, someone, I never want anyone to cry on a oh, podcast. Oh, sure. I get super uncomfortable. Well, you're, we're I've doing had a this couple in your, moments in when your, it was veering that way and I was, I would like veer the other way. I just didn't want it to happen. I, Tommy gets very uncomfortable. Is it because you don't, you feel uncomfortable for your guests? Like you well, I always feel them? like if, if somebody's going to come on the pod, I'm gonna shoot the shit with them, and they're spending the time. Like I don't know, it's it's. I understand. Try to keep it a certain way, but I also get the other way of like if you're going deep dive two, two and a half hours, like yeah. shit's probably gonna start happening. Well, we talk about a lot. We talk about comedy or art. Sometimes it's a musician or an actor or a scientist or an author, and usually the first hour we talk about their craft. Yeah. Second hour we usually talk about family. We talk about love relationships, that sort of stuff. And then we always talk about the meaning of life and death and how they... Jesus. Yeah, how they get... Yeah, exactly. How they get into that. Um, so where they are... A lot of these people, I think, appreciate... Like I said, we say it's all green lights. Like, yeah. no wrong answers. What do, you, what do you think this is? Like, what is this conspiracy of molecules we call reality? Like, how do you interpret it? What is the story you tell yourself in the car... I'm Bill Simmons. Your heart is beating. Your lungs are breathing. You're you're perceiving me in your awareness right now. It's fucking right. crazy. Well, how do you how do you tell the story to yourself? How do you make sense of it? Do you make sense of it? And ninety percent of the time they're atheists, and then we uncover that they actually have some sort of secret like narrative that they kind of hold. Nobody on ever to. got mad at you for what? Just during the podcast that for it was asking? getting too personal, or like you were going somewhere they didn't want to go. It's interesting. Um, I don't think so because if they don't want to talk about it, they can say I don't they want to talk about on. it. It's not that sort. It's not a trick. It's yeah. not like I'm going to be like, okay, but uh. yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. You know, usually by the second hour, what happens and and you know you're doing this great as an interviewer now is that you offer about your life. If I want to tell you, like I told you, I didn't get the love I wanted from my dad by being good at baseball, so yeah. I quit. You know what I mean? Like that's a vulnerable, it's not super vulnerable, Yeah. but it, you're now, personal. you're four times more likely to tell me something about your dad. If we wanted, if we wanted to. I'm still that. upset that you didn't play basketball. I know. I can barely, you could have given rim. them like 20 minutes a game off the bench at least. Uh, I guess I, I don't know. 
It is funny though. Every bigger high school or college has that one tall kid that drives the coach crazy. Who? Yeah, who didn't play? And yeah. they, every time the coach sees him, yeah, that fucking guy. I used to. Uh, yeah. I don't know what it is. I should have. I should have played. I think if you do, if you get to do your life over again, like ten times, one of the times you should get into Just basketball. Just be a celebrity. I think you would uh, like, like a, the com- camaraderie of it. I bet I would like I think it. He, you know what I would like is the bus ride to the game. The bus ride is great. The locker room, the yeah. jokes. Yeah, like yeah, you yeah. really would have enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm friends with, you know, Aaron Rodgers is a friend, of, not like a good friend. He's been friend on the pod, right? Has he been on the pod? There you go. Hey, Bill Simmons fans, if you want to listen to a podcast of You yeah. Made It Weird, start with Aaron Rodgers. In the first 15 minutes, we talk about how he saw a UFO. Get into it. Right. What are you waiting that. for? Don't you want to know what Aaron Rodgers thinks happens when you die? That's- that one got a lot of publicity. It did because he's super famous. You know why? And also, yeah, you put Aaron Rodgers UFO. I didn't do and that. That's, no, I'm saying anyone. Oh. That's a headline. Right. That's people it are got clicking picked up on that. As a huge story. Aaron Rodgers UFO, click. He was wearing a hat with like an ancient aliens thing on it. So I was like, what's that hat? I, I really stepped in shit in the best way. And he was like, well, I, I'm a big alien guy. And I'm like, here we go, man. That's what it is. I call it, you made it weird. I want to talk about weird things. I want to, if you've seen a ghost, I want to talk about it. If you lost your virginity in a strange oh, shit. way, I, I want should, to talk I should about come it. on and tell my Skirvin hotel story. You saw a ghost? I, I absolutely had a ghost experience. Really? I never, I've never believed in that shit. Well, what happened? I was staying there 2010, Where December, Oklahoma City. Uh-huh. I was there to go see the Thunder when they had KD in Westbrook. And oh, KD. There's this famous haunted hotel called the Skirvin. Uh-huh. And I like ghosts. Hotel? I'm like a horror movie guy. So I, I told the lady at the desk, put me on the floor with the ghost. And she's like, oh, you want to meet Effie? I'm like, yes. So they're always go named up. Effie. Effie. Well, the story they always was. always fell in a well or down an elevator shaft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This one, <laughs> this one was a woman who was being kept up there allegedly by this owner of the hotel who she was having an affair with. And she jumped out with her baby. It's always a out fall. the window. If you want to be a ghost in like the 1920s, get falling. So baby's not a ghost. I go out. Have no. I don't. I think they're both. I think it's the mom who's the ghost, but both of them went out, or the or the baby got killed. Something, but the mom uh-huh. jumped out of the window. Yikes! So I went out, had dinner, drinks, came back, forgot about it, called my wife, went to bed, and I'm one of those people that when I fall asleep, I never wake up. Like even I've had two kids, like my kids would be screaming and right. I, I won't wake up. That must be traumatic for them. I woke up. Yeah. <laughs> my kids are just yeah. covered in their own feces. <laughs> um, but so I woke, I woke up because I felt like somebody was in the room with me and my body woke up before my brain broke up. I love it. And my, my hair and my arms were like, total goosebumps like like what you see in a movie where it's like yeah, oh yeah my yeah. hair was standing it was like my hair was standing my heart was pounding and i thought somebody was in the room and i looked over and the bed was here and the window was over to my left and i thought somebody was in the room and i also have contacts so i have my glasses were off i can't see right so it's pitch black and i'm like somebody's in the room hello and i turn the light on and i put my glasses on and there's nobody there um Oh, I left out a crucial part of the story. One of the things that woke me up was I thought I heard a baby crying. Shut up. I swear to God. So this is 2010. (laughs) (laughs) So one of the reasons I woke up, I thought I heard a baby crying and then I felt like somebody was in the room and you just kind of, my body woke up and my brain woke up. Like when you can tell a tiger's looking at you, you just kind of like. Just something was wrong. 
And uh, and nobody was there. But where I thought I saw, or I thought the person was, was by the window. Yeah. So now I'm like freaked out. And I'm like, I go and I check, make sure the room's locked. And I'm like going to the bathroom and nobody's in there. Cleaning the shit out of your pants. <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's like 3.45 in the morning. And I can't fall back asleep because my heart's like pounding, which has never happened to me before. So I went online. I had a Blackberry. And I'm like, all right, I got to Google this hotel. And I find this hotel. And it basically said that this lady jumped out a window. That's how I found out about the window part. I was like, well, there's a window right there. And then then uh, right around 3.45, 4 o'clock, Shush. guests have heard, guests have been woken up by this ghost. Shut up. And now I'm like, what the fuck? So now I can't, now I'm just up the rest of the night. I'm watching like bad HBO movies. And I wow. basically stayed up until it got laid out. Wow. And then I was like, get me the fuck out of this hotel. I have one question. Yeah. When you went to bed, were you scared? Were when, you like, I hope nothing weird happens, or did you just go to bed? I forgot about it. That I was the thing. I went to bed, answer. I just took my contacts out, and I forgot I was on the floor. Yes. So the baby crying was weird because I had just had, my son was probably like two and a half, and I was, it was one of those things where you're asleep, you're like, oh, my son's crying. Wait, I'm not near my, wait, my arms are my hair's on my, wait, was somebody here? And then you, yeah. And that was it. Wow. So anyway, I believe in ghosts now. Cause unless the hotel rigs it with guests for like the story. Right. And they put things in there and they, I, who knows? I mean, see that those are the, those are the types of things I don't like when people are like, well, Occam's razor, the hotel is benefiting and they play right. out. I'm like, yeah, okay. Enjoy your world. I'll be over here going ghosts. <laughs> well, it's a famous <laughs> it's a famous NBA hotel because there's not a lot of nice hotels in Oklahoma City. Oh, okay, so the players stay there, and there's been a couple times where the players have gotten freaked out. I believe it. Well, and that there could was be rival one, teams. I forget who was the player. Derek Rose or Nate Robinson. Derek Rose went and slept in one of it, one of the other players' room because he got freaked out. Really? Yeah. So yeah, that's anyway. amazing. I've interviewed a lot of NBA players, not on the podcast. I'm trying to think, who else have I had? Oh, I'm going to forget his name. Ah, shit. NBA, famous NBA player? Kyrie on the TV show. I had Kyrie on the TV show, but I had another uh, sport player on the show. I was on Corden with him. Can you Google Pete? JJ Reddick. JJ Reddick. Oh, yeah, you had JJ on your podcast. He he's great. excellent. Yeah. I, I, just, I, I knew it was an acronym, yeah, and I was like, good. what is his name? He was really interesting. And I, you know what's fun about me, I guess, is I don't give a shit. Right. In the good way. Yeah. Like, I like talking, like, you you know your stuff. A lot of times I, I get interviewed by people who don't care. It's actually kind of nice. You can just talk. But these guys are, you know, the cheers these guys get. I've never been, you know, about to get the ball and done this thing. You know, the I know it's a podcast where you where you ask the crowd to like whoop it up a little bit with your. Well, arms. I do feel like you can get a good feel for somebody if you spend an hour and fifteen hour and a half talking to them, like yeah. especially somebody like Rogers, who I interviewed too. Oh, really? And he's there's something cool about him. He's like a and Snickers you, bar. Well, you he's think like about all like American and just kind of delicious. He's he's <laughs> <laughs> he's like he's yeah, very, I'm packed with peanuts. Well, you could see him like in a huddle. With like three minutes left to go on the road. Yeah. That's a guy you'd want in the huddle, like Fucking telling hey. the guys, like, we're good, guys. Well, we're going to go down and score. I ask him. I hope you didn't ask him. I was like, what do you think the fact that you have like a square jaw and like you're a good I did looking not ask man? Him that. I know. It was a joke. I, no part of me thought you asked him. This is my, <laughs> my podcast. We asked this type of question. Yeah. I'm like, what are the chances that you look like a leader and you are like, which came first? 
Do you think you looked in the mirror and was like, well, I guess I'm a leader? Or like there also square jaws are linked to testosterone levels. Testosterone is linked to uh, decisiveness. This is why women are like unconsciously attracted to square jaws because test too much testosterone will kill you. You know who told me that? Shane Moss. Great episode of You Made It Weird. Okay. He's been on three times. We talk a lot about psychedelics. We talk a lot about psychology. We talk a lot. We talk about everything. Well, there's a handsome quarterback theory that handsome people, when they're kids, get more attention yeah. and affection from people, which gives them more confidence, which but, then if they're also a good athlete, yeah, the confidence from the good looks from totally age six on. It's unfair. Would then make them a good quarterback. It's the definition of unfair. It is unfair. Yeah. But it's also boob men. Like uh, guys that like boobs, are you, <laughs> I won't even ask you, but guys, guys that like boobs are, are considered like more confident because it means when you're developing your idea of love, you're either on the ground wanting to be picked up and seeing legs and asses, or you're being picked up to where the goods are, tits. So like, like there's all these like weird things that like when we're children affect who we become. So what I'm saying is if you get picked up more, you might be more of a boob man. And if you were on the ground more, you might be more into asses. That's just what you, of course, it's just a theory. Interesting. But like, it makes sense to me. So that like, I like that theory with Aaron. It was in the movie crumb. Great documentary. Um, and he's an ass man. And he was like, the woman that told him the theory was like, yeah, you were on, you were neglected. You were on the ground all the time. <laughs> and then there's me. I love both. I, I was, was an only <laughs> child. I was not neglected. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fucking weird, man. Only children are weird. Oh, super weird. What movie did I just see where there was an only child and they were like, we're super creative though. Yeah, I know. Jamie Lee. Who Although now I think if you're an only child with all the devices and all the shit you can just get on the internet, I don't even know why you would ever have a human relationship. But this is, this is the That's other. A, that scares me. Yeah, do you know about this? Like Steve Jobs, they were interviewing him about the iPad. And uh, at the end of the interview, like almost Columbo style, the interviewer is just like, uh, just kind of one last throwaway question. They're like, what do your kids think of the iPad? Yeah, I want to know too. You have the iPad. It's about to come out. Or it just came out. What do your kids think? This is amazing. And he's like, we don't let our kids play with uh, technology. Which... Wow. I, this was on NPR, I think. Fascinating. It's called dog fooding. Dog food company owners, uh, once a year, some dog food companies, will have a meeting with all the blah, blah, blahs. I don't know the term. And they'll open a can of their dog food and eat it to show how quality the ingredients of their dog food is. It's called dog fooding. So a lot of companies will use their own product. It's the same thing as a mayor putting a cup in the lake and drinking it. It's the same sort of idea. But grosser. Like, it's, gro- it's way grosser. Yeah. Um, although if you said it was Campbell's Chunky, you'd just be like, oh, it's very, a lot of meat. <laughs> good sirloin. <laughs> it's good. I like these flavors. <laughs> um, but Steve Jobs does not pass the dog fooding test. He limited how much his children... And, you know, I'd like to have kids, and I think we're going to be... Valerie and I right now are trying to limit our screen time. We're trying to parent ourselves. Because I find that boredom is like a still lake, and your ideas are like fish. And when the lake is still, you can see the ideas. But if it's always choppy and always being stimulated and, and swirled, it's very titillating. That's, yeah. that's like nonstop movies, nonstop everything. Uh, but you're not going to see your own shit. I was so fucking bored. Kind of goes back to what you were saying. Like if I had been in high school and I had been like an athlete 
and a celebrity of the school because I was tall and good. To the center, And yeah. I started drinking. I'm not saying yeah. everybody drinks, but I didn't drink in high school. I didn't have girlfriends. If I started drinking, now I'm getting laid. I, I, I don't know if I would have been able to handle it. Right. I'm very grateful that I was fucking bored as shit. And taking out the tape recorder and making little radio shows to send to my friends because that made me into a late blooming artist as opposed to the early flare up athlete. And I'm not saying sometimes that really pays out. Like when I interviewed Kyrie, I'm like, holy shit, you're 20, whatever. You have a billion dollars and you're cool as fuck. Cool. But there's also a lot of guys that went to my high school, even with the great facilities, they were out there, you know, getting the third base. I don't even know what third base is. And uh, smoking cigarettes, listening to Teenage Wasteland in the cool parking lot. And it's like, yeah. I'm not putting those guys down. You didn't but have like, those people in Lexington. Don't shoot up so fucking fast. What's your rush? Be bored. Boredom is good. Well, what do you mean? No, I was kidding about oh. Lexington. No, I'm with you. I, I I do worry about that because I think there's so much stimulus all the time. It's bad for all of us. It's bad for... I, I just took mushrooms the other day and I was... Uh, one of the images that I saw was an eyeball that just had like one of those drinking birds that was just going ding, 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 ding on my eye. It wasn't like a full-on hallucination. It was something I saw when my eyes were closed. Um, and I was like, that's what I'm doing. I'm constantly, constantly just feeding myself stimulus. Computer to phone. We know our phones are making us depressed. We know it. You never feel better after you go on Facebook. Never. You've never felt better. Never. And you know, and I know. What about the Reddit conspiracy page? I mean... It's hard to say. And you know what? I think podcasts are, are a hot medium. You have to kind of imagine there's like a, a different level of involvement. It's almost like an audio book. There's good, there's good stuff and there's bad stuff. But like checking that my friend thought The Last Jedi sucked. And it's not even my friend. It's some fan from a show in college in Iowa that I did 12 years ago. I have to know that he hated the puffin-like creatures in Last Jedi. What is this adding? And why, why are we adding anything? Ding, 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 ding. How about just like... Getting to a place where you can just fucking kick it. Yeah. And just watch the fire. Fucking. Are you on, on Twitter and all that stuff or not really? I do uh, for for biz. I think it's interesting. I, I do feed into other people consuming because I like to tweet jokes. I only tweet jokes. Yeah. Just li- little things that I hear because I, I like keeping that part of me fresh. You think of a joke, uh, you tweet it, you're done. I don't like check it. I don't look at my at replies or anything. But that, that's one of the things on the podcast is we're all trying to like figure out how to navigate. We do have to parent ourselves. That's a crazy idea. Because we've all been told that like meeting all of your needs is the key to happiness. Yeah. Like if you're hungry, order nachos. If you're bored, watch a movie. If you're horny, watch pornography. Like, and we're, one of the really kind of esoteric, strange things that we're figuring out is that's not the answer. What an interesting place to hide joy in a boring spot in like an unfulfilled spot, in a complicated spot. We're not lab rats that keep pushing the pellet button, E24, Grubhub. Now, uh, fucking, what's a porn site? Uh, uh, Pornhub. Red red tube, thank you. Tate. (laughs) (laughs) You see what I'm saying? It's like, it's not that I'm against any of those things necessarily. It's just like, it's an interest. It's 2018. The predicament we find ourselves in is the answer isn't always more. And, and when we grew up, 
it's just like we never even thought that that might be where contentment is hiding is actually just sitting on your porch or going to the park or some shit i think you make a good point about ideas the boredom lake i had that thought yesterday when you're driving around i was happy about that one. in the old days think about you're driving around you get an idea that's it there's a radio commercial and you're just in on going 40 miles an hour on some street and you see something and you're like oh that reminds me and then all of a sudden that's it it's the seed of an idea and now it develops into something now, if you're at a stoplight, you're you looking at your phone. Check your phone. Oh, somebody texted me. You wonder what this is. Yeah. We're forgetting how to give. We're forgetting how to create. Instead, we just receive. That's why it's very dangerous to check your email first thing in the morning because you're setting the standard that I am a, rece- a, 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 a reactive entity. You want to be an active entity. You want it like Breaking Bad. I'm what goes bump in the night, motherfucker. You read what I write. Right. And I'm not talking about artists. I'm talking about everybody. What are your thoughts? How do you feel in the morning? Why do we need to pollute it? It was Shaq, big tweeter. I had a burrito last night. Who fucking, get the fuck out of my awareness. Like, I don't need that shit. I don't follow anyone that's that. Uh, What's that? I've tried, I've muted almost, I've muted a lot of people. A lot of muting The muting's great. Muting's right. You know what's good is Nuzzle. What's Nuzzle? Nuzzle is an app that takes all the stories that people tweet on your, that tweet on your timeline that you follow. Yeah. And then you can just kind of read all those stories without having to read the tweets about Shaq having a burrito. You mean it takes like the hits? It basically takes all the links in videos. Oh. It's basically la- all the news links. That's funny because when I'm it's going on, one. I'm like, what happened? That's like, exactly. I, I'm like, just tell so me Nuzzle what happened. So just tells you what happened. Really? And you have to find out about Shaq's burrito. There you go. Yeah. Unless Shaq's burrito. I mean, it might have been a great burrito. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> it was a fantastic burrito. But yeah, that, that, it's, an, it's an interesting burrito. You have kids? I do have two kids. And the Logan Daughters? Paul thing, I taught one, one son, one oh, daughter. Oh, yeah. One's Logan B- Paul thing B-O-S. was- B-O-S. Yeah. Let's confirm a rumor on your- I looked you up on uh, Wikipedia. Oh, Jesus. Is uh, that his initials are B-O-S because you're from It's Boston. not a rumor. I've talked about it. Well, it's- We named him Citation ben. needed, citation given. We named <laughs> this him- This podcast. We want to name him <laughs> Ben. And my last name is obviously S, and it just seems so easy to do the. I had a friend the, oh. uh, named his son Win. His son was born the year the Red Sox won for the first yeah. time. Yeah. So he named his son Win. Now we've won three World Series, and there's no stories like this anymore. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. But it, it kind of goes into what we're saying. Yeah. Is like, what is a good stand up set? It's going in when you're down. What is a good World Series? The, the Red Cubs. Sox fans were so much more lovable when we had it won. That's what I'm saying. Boston's won 10 titles this century. It's, it's, Everyone hates us. And buddy, we're similar age. I grew up also with the collective feeling that my sports team was a losing team. Well, you were like, I'm... I'm I was 86. I was Yeah, Bill I'm like Buckner. eight years older than you. Yeah, your, your generation was like, all we do is lose. Yeah. I know my... It's, it's like, again, I got like church from mom. I got some sports from dad. I've heard so many times that we, we traded Babe Ruth to the yeah. Yankees. For the money, for the production of a play called No No Nanette. This is a joke in our family. Yeah. We're like, all for No No Nanette. We yeah. got rid of the babe. It's almost the like, 100-year anniversary of that trade. Is that true? I think it is. People are still pissed. But it was so much more fun. I'm still mad. I wasn't even alive. This, this is one of the things that, like, what gives life richness, and this is what I really like about sports, is we can yeah. see that the underdog quality is what gives the whole game juice. When we're just winning... It's like when we're just winning, it's similar to us just eating 
fucking and napping whenever we feel hungry, horny, or tired. You know what I'm saying? So we want the losses. That's what we don't know. And sometimes sports can give us like an insight like that, where you go, it's the losing that gives it the thrill. I'm not just saying like, and later we'll be winners. I'm saying the losing juices the whole game. And then when the Red Sox started winning a whole bunch, uh, nobody cares as much. Did the Cubs win? They didn't win. They won they last year. They did win. Yeah. They did win. Now we don't have any good it underdogs. It happened right before Trump became president, so nobody remembers except uh, the Cubs fans now. Who are the underdogs now? The Alligators? There's not a lot left. The, but the, that's why people are excited about the Buffalo Bills. They made the playoffs for the first time in like 19 years. It's so funny. And it's and it's adorable, and people love Bills fans, and they've been super tortured. So it's that a, was like a nice sports moment for underdogs. It's going to take another 50 years to create a fresh batch of underdogs. Yeah. For a while, we're just going to have, it almost reminds me of how everybody does have everything these days. Even if you're lower uh, middle class or something, chances are you probably do have an iPhone or some sort of smartphone. You yeah. Know? Like everybody's kind of doing better, at least than Pharaoh's and Caesar's. <laughs> well, this is why your character on your show can never be like a massive success. I know. It's over once he really starts to kill it. But we want to, we want to, or he could be a success for like a minute and then like some dick pic scandal comes out and he just loses everything. That's to me, that's what it is. It's like the show runs the risk. I liked Entourage. I think we all watched Entourage. It runs the risk of becoming Entourage. If Pete, my character just starts buying Nespresso machines, you know what I'm saying? Like I, I, if Pete gets a nice apartment or something, it would only be to potentially lose it or almost lose it. You have to change the title too. Yeah, flourishing. No longer crashing. (laughs) Flourishing. Yeah, flourishing's good. Flourishing. Season three is now called Flourishing. Remember when we changed it to Cougar Town? We're doing it again. (laughs) So you got January 14th crashing. January 14th. The You Make It Weird podcast. You Made It Weird past. I mean, You Made It Weird, sorry. You're good. I'm Um, honored. I, yep, you, you, I, (laughs) what do I know about you? You You started writing for the Phoenix and it was almost like a joke in your Wikipedia page. It goes, I can't believe you read. I don't even. I, don't, I haven't looked at my Herald. Wikipedia page in like ten years. You got I just assume like half the stuff's wrong on it. You have a very long Wikipedia. page. It's weird. I was mad at how long it's your Wikipedia pro- page. It's probably. Was. I can't imagine. It's fucking upsetting. You you carried me on this podcast. I, I my New Year's resolution was I'm um, I'm getting in shape, uh-huh. and I'm not eating that much. Oh, so I had like a split pea soup for lunch. And I'm kind of out of it now. It's it's kind of like the reverse of having well, your mushrooms. eyes are glassy. I know. I thought you were tired. No, it's it's you, you caught me on the wrong day. I wish I had had you like three weeks from now, well, or I should have just had like a steak sandwich. We can do it again. I don't know if that's gonna <laughs> <laughs> would have made me tired. You know, you could listen. Speaking of my podcast, and I don't mean you just you know sent out a cry for help that you need some food and to wrap this up, but we had a weird guy. Dr. Joel Furman on my podcast talked about nutritarianism. It's very interesting. It's where you only eat things for their nutrient content. Because he would say like... So you don't eat for joy? No, no, no. It's not... You can still eat joyfully. Okay. <laughs> but he's like... It's, he's a very far out guy. I think just like very... Almost like savant level nutrition... Almost the way that people can be about sports statistics. Yeah. He knows what's in everything. And it's all about like eating whole foods and stuff and like making sure, like this smoothie is a nutritarian smoothie. It has like flax seeds that I ground. Yeah, you brought, we should mention you brought a smoothie. Berries. You got to eat berries. What does he say? Berries, onions, mushrooms, seeds, uh, and greens. 
all that all that sort of stuff. Anyway, but you're 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 in great shape. I don't understand. No, I'm getting in shape. To, I'm making one more basketball comeback. Ironically, you're going to play basketball again. One more time. You look like the guy that one wears like the goggles. No, 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 no. You wear the goggles and you throw <laughs> no you throw bows. No goggles. And no, like, no, no more bows. And, and you call charging a lot. I just no, <laughs> none of that. I'm super fun to play with, and I I space the floor now. I'm old. You space the floor. With I space the floor it means I'm shooting like 20 to 25 footers that opens the space for the guys who are still athletic. I can do stuff. Oh, like that's Tate. fun. I'll spread the floor for Tate. Did bird spread, spread the floor? Well, late, late end of the, late end of the career back 30 pound back brace bird spread the bird. floor. He couldn't run. When I was a kid, they said he won some championship or something. And they were like, what are you going to do with the money? And he goes, I'm going to give it to the Larry bird fund. And I was like, this, that's, that should be one of those, you know, thug life, Vines. Larry Bird Fund. He's like, Larry, what are you going to do with the money? And he goes, I'm going to give it to the Larry Bird Fund. Boom, 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 boom. A joint flies in his mouth, sunglasses. Those, were, those were some players, man. I didn't give a shit about sports, but Rob, uh, that was McHale, a great team. Yeah. Parrish, and Bird. And Jordan? Jordan versus Bird on Nintendo? Oh, this is one of the great first great times. Yeah, one of the first great video games. And I wore, I wore Jordans like I gave a shit about that stuff and yeah. slam dunk contests. They mattered used in the eighties. Matter. Yeah, that's true. D Brown. Yeah. With the no look. Oh yeah. I waited in line at Thunder Sports for two hours. Thunder Sports. Just to get an autograph from D Brown. We used to draw him and shit. <laughs> One great poster. Good Reebok poster. Yeah. That's that's, that, that's yeah. what I had him autograph. That's what we needed. And I had like a Andre Agassi starter jacket and like three lines in my head like vanilla ice. It's a good time. Andre Agassi starter jacket. All right. Thanks Let's, for coming on. This was fun. Thank you, Bill. <laughs> the BS Podcast come back on Friday with Mike Francesa and more NFL picks, all kinds of stuff. Thanks to ZipRecruiter. Talent matters whether you're on the court or in a conference room. Nobody knows that better than ZipRecruiter. They developed powerful matching technology for hiring. You no longer have to wait for the right candidates to find you. ZipRecruiter finds them. For you, it's the smartest way to hire. We're going to be messing around with ZipRecruiter all year, trying to find some some ringer people. My listeners can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. That is ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. Back tomorrow. <laughs>